Welcome to the Actors Wish podcast. My name is Sarah Hayward Rahimova, and I am an international actress, writer, and teacher. Today, let me be your scene partner. Let this podcast be your laboratory. And in this space, let your wish run free. I know you're ready to peel your layers, take risks, and open yourself to new levels of artistic discovery. Consider this your weekly dose of inspiration, technique, and community where actors support one another. Together, we can explore our wishes beyond the classroom, beyond the audition room, beyond the stage and the screen, and cultivate a rich, vibrant, ongoing creative life. Let's turn down our brains, trust our bodies, activate our inner resources, and find joy in the process. Together, let's take the leap from actor to artist. Hello, hello, and welcome back. Welcome for episode two of The Actor's Wish. This is a space a supple space for our wishes and where they take us. So welcome. I'm so happy you're here. I'm so happy you press play today. Thank you for opening your hearts and your minds and let's get into it. Today I felt pulled to dig into my own journey because I know that there's not one way to not only be an actor or an artist, but to create a fulfilling, successful, abundant, ongoing creative life. There's no one way to do it. And my hope is that by sharing my own personal journey, you can then reflect on your unique path and wherever you may be right now in this path is perfectly right for you it's perfectly right because it's yours and it's happening the way you need it to happen it's happening the way the universe is guiding you it to happen it's happening in the way that will peel your layers peel your artifice and reveal reveal the seed of truth inside right <laughs> so here we go I am originally from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. I was born there. I lived there until I was seven, the seminal age of seven. Seven is actually a really special number, come to think of it, for me. <laughs> age seven, yes. Uh, so the first seven years of my life, I was immersed in this rich, diverse, multicultural city. And I went to school learning French. I had such an incredible range of friends. My sister and I were like scene partners for life. Like my, my dad is a teacher and my mother is a librarian. And uh, we just had the most fertile childhood of playing and making up stories. Like I remember vividly growing up and watching cartoon renditions of, of Shakespeare. It was these little 30 minute episodes and we had The Twelfth Night, we had Romeo and Juliet, we had A Midsummer Night's Dream and The Tempest. And 
we we just we loved them and we acted them out. I don't know if anyone remembers fairy tale theater. That was a big thing too. <laughs> but also uh, Kenneth Branagh's Much Ado About Nothing. That was a big movie in our household. I remember learning alongside my sister who recited it effortlessly at age three. Sigh no more, lady. Sigh no more. Um, the soliloquy from of, of Beatrice and Emma Thompson's exquisite rendition of that. And I remember it so, so vividly. So we moved because of, I mean, it was a tumultuous time in the province and, and just prospects and jobs and all these things. So we moved across the continent to Olympia, Washington, USA, and it was like a complete pivot from the life we knew. It's it's a small town, it's immersed in beautiful wildlife, uh, but it was just very, very different. Um, the cool thing was I got to learn some Spanish, <laughs> but I lost my French. Uh, both need to be both need to be worked on at the moment. Hmm. But we had this really big transition when I was seven years old, and that certainly had a profound effect on me and and on my family. But we discovered such amazing things in, in Olympia, and our outdoor adventures were able to grow, and we continued to play. Like I, I think a principle of our of our childhood was was creating from what we had. And whether it was like a badminton racket pretending that's a Venetian mask or a knitted blanket is your beautiful robe or cape or veil. We used what we had and it was the most beautiful time because we were at the whim of our imagination, right? Like kids are so brave. There's, there's, they just jump in. They feel an impulse, they feel a wish and they jump in. Talk about living your life by your wishes. Watch children, <laughs> play with children, engage with children. They know what's up. Uh, so when I was little, I was a major athlete, major, major, major. I played so many sports, but my main one was soccer. So I loved basketball. I loved tennis. I loved swimming. I was a tap dancer. I tap danced for 10 years. I did ballet early on, but tap then became my main thing. And... I was just completely devoted to soccer. <laughs> that was that was my life. It was it was great. I loved it. Uh, but my dad did a wonderful job about continuing to engage us with other artistic communities and bigger communities and more multicultural communities up in Seattle. And there was a great uh, theater they had there, the Seattle Children's Theater, and we thoroughly enjoyed performances there. But it's very uh, very often we went up to Seattle to 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 explore to to watch shows to engage with different communities and i'm so thankful for those experiences um so there was a a moment at my freshman year of high school when i made the varsity soccer team as a freshman and i was a wee little thing and i was so excited about it i was like i'm playing varsity soccer this is so wonderful and I also got into the autumn production of the Scottish play. And, ooh, I was torn. I was so torn. I was deeply torn because I knew that this pivotal moment would change the directory of my focus because both took up such a huge amount of time. 
So I, this, this felt like a really big choice and it was in a sense, but I opted to join, spoiler alert, the Scottish play. (laughs) Uh, And I had to drop soccer as I competitively played it. And that was also a wonderful portal into a new world. I was I was meeting all these new new people. I was immersed in this theater community and this musical theater community as well. And I hadn't done musical theater before. And so that really caused me a lot of, mm, how would I describe it? I felt very separate. I felt... Like I was lingering on the margins a little bit because I didn't sing like everyone else. I didn't act like everyone else. I just felt separate. And that had a profound effect on me. That had a profound effect on my voice. That had a profound effect on my confidence. That had a profound effect on on my identity. Uh, So that was something I really struggled with through high school to have this big, passionate, all-consuming love of the theater, but still feel kind of on the fringe of the whole process and the whole kind of expectation of the process because it felt so different. I I remember for the first time hearing the word straight play. And I was like, what is that? What does that mean, straight play? Oh, it's not a musical. So somehow a play was measured against a musical. Like there was this kind of weird competitiveness that really made me feel uncomfortable. And I thought theater and plays were like the greatest art form ever. And so I was just really disheartened and really kind of stuck and and just confused. Uh, Thank goodness I also found another artistic outlet. Uh, I, for three years, I volunteered on Teen Council, which is this amazing, amazing peer education group organized by Planned Parenthood. And so I went into classrooms and engaged with students my age and younger and taught them sex ed. And the framework of that was Augusta Boal's Theater of the Oppressed. And we we worked um, on skits that allowed that allowed students to offer the solution. It was so cool. It was my fate. Oh, it was just this remarkable thing that lit me up, that 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 allowed a space for connecting with people all across the community. So these weren't normally even people I'd see in my school. It was it was so wonderful and rich and diverse. And I just really, really appreciated it. That was like a grounding force in my high school life. It was this refuge outside of everything school and theater. It was this safe space and I'm so deeply grateful for it. Maybe some of you even had teen council come to your schools and that's so cool. (laughs) I hope, I mean, I know they're still going strong, but it's just a marvelous program and that I just really am grateful for that place of solace. So we can all find that, right? Even if we're in spaces where we're, we're struggling or or we feel not seen or not heard, there's always a space for you. There's always a space for you because you are worthy of that space. We need you in that space. We need you in these spaces. (laughs) So at the end of high school, I was really, really, really preoccupied with going to 
to a conservatory, to an art school. I was so hyper-focused on it. I was like, it has to happen now or it's not happening at all. <laughs> and I think many of us can relate to that, to that urge, that necessity, to that that voice within us that's like, you need to do it and you need to do it now. And I had a, a limited view of where of where this profession can take you, right? I mean, I, I thought that you had to get into a good school, which would provide you with all the connections and therefore be a launch pad for your career, which, you know, is also true. But there's also so many ways to create an artistic career and an artistic life. And I also want to touch upon that the feelings I had in high school, even since childhood, seeing plays and, and loving participating in the atmosphere and the magic and the emotions and the energy, there was always something more for me. I wanted more and I couldn't fully articulate it, but all I knew was that I wanted more. And this wish, this yearning, this longing was kind of always simmering below the surface for me. It was always there. But again, I couldn't name it, so how could I fully express it? So when I was looking for schools, I had all these big visions of like the big schools, right? That, that the big theater schools where we think our careers will be made and we'll get to meet all these amazing people and all this stuff. Uh, but my dad was very adamant about getting a wholesome, well-rounded liberal arts education. And I was so resistant to it. I said, no, no, I need to focus on my dream. I need to focus on, on my craft. I need to learn this and I need to learn this now. And over the course of auditions and acceptances and all this stuff, I, I got into an amazing array of art schools and it was a really, really, really challenging decision. But what got me what got me to my last school of choice, which is still an incredible school, my gosh. The way we make these so competitive is still so strange to me. Like we all, it, education, it's what you make of it. No matter where you are, it's always what you make of it. But regardless, you know, my little 18 year old mind was like, ah, oh, it has to have this name and this label and this aura and all this stuff. So when I got into the University of Washington in Seattle, the main pull for me was the capacity to travel and to live abroad. I'd always wanted to do that. Always, 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 always. And some art schools offered that. Others did not. Conservatories made, like, I really wanted a full immersion. So that was the thing. But I know, like, when you reflect on your life and, and you look at everything that, that led you to where you are now, you can kind of see this invisible thread weaving it all together. And, you know, 2020 hindsight is, is a very different factor than being in the moment and thinking, it all has to happen now. So reflecting on my journey really, it, it's fascinating the way things were tied together and I couldn't have anticipated it at the time. So I ended up going to the University of Washington and they have a phenomenal drama program. They also have a phenomenal uh, graduate program, the professional after training program. And we got to engage with a lot of those, those uh, actors. And it was, oof, it was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful environment. I loved it so, so much. Um, but again, that lingering, that longing was still there. And I fell headfirst into 
into poetry at that time. A friend of mine, a dear friend of mine and I would just read each other poems in the grass and that was as much of an influence on me as, as being in rehearsal spaces, as being in classroom spaces. You know, your own, the, where your own curiosity drives you is just as vital as, as where you're quote unquote supposed to be. So yes, those impulses, they're so precious. <laughs> but I remember my first year at the UW, we were ho- I was home, back home, visiting my parents. It was winter break, I imagine. It must have been winter or spring break. I get confused between the two. But my dad came into my room and said, I bought us some tickets at ACT Theater to see some Uzbeks perform. And I looked at him and I was like, what's an Uzbek? <laughs> and mind you, I remember in my fourth and fifth grade classes, like doing passport. Did you guys do passport where you learn all the capitals and countries of the world? I guess somehow Tashkent slipped from my mind. So when he told me that we're going to see some Uzbek actors perform, I was quite clueless, but he had always enriched enriched our lives with more and more plays. And I said, great, let's go, let's do it. And at that time I had been studying Russian by a total fluke. I really wanted to take Hebrew, but Hebrew was at 8.30 every morning, five days a week, whereas Russian was 10.30 in the morning, five days a week for a year. And guess what the freshman college student chose, right? Sleeping in. (laughs) So I was in this Russian 101, 102, 103 class. And while I was learning you know, some grammar and words and phrases and conjugations. It was still very foreign to me. Like, not just the fact that it's in Cyrillic, but it's just this whole new way of thinking and being and expressing. And I I did not feel connected to it because it was so clinical in the textbook. Uh, but I did have wonderful teachers and I loved, <laughs> I loved them a lot. But I remember, so we went to uh this play performed by the Ilkom Theater of Mark Weil at Act Theater. The play was called Bili Bili Chorneist, which is White White Black Stork. And the play had English supertitles. So the actors were performing in Russian, but overhead there were there was an English translation. And I was actually surprised at how much of the Russian I caught along to, but this was the first time in my life I watched a piece of art and understood everything without language. The lights went down and I was, I was just gutted. I'd never seen a piece of art like that. I didn't know that theater could make you feel like that. I was in complete awe looking at these actors, the way they moved, the way they carried themselves, the way they engaged with one another and energy and space and the text. It was this fluid, beautiful composition. Like it it was as if they didn't touch the ground almost and the way the text flew out of their mouths and this atmosphere they created and the way they pulled us in and they they taught us to feel beyond words and beyond barriers because not only was this a different language but it was a different culture entirely and I just remember sitting on the edge of my seat the entire time just 
wholesomely immersed, wholesomely captivated by it. And when the lights came up, I just, I was speechless. The words, the words left me, but I was hooked. Something in me, some internal shift in me occurred. And I remembered looking at the program of all the actors and their biographies and their super cool photos with popped collars and like the makeup and the hair. It was just so different from anything I'd ever seen. And I remember seeing uh, next to those amazing biographies, I remember seeing an article about a student from the University of Washington who had gone to study at this theater, at the Ilkholm Theater. And I said, what? This is, this can happen? This is real? And in that moment, the idea of going to Tashkent implanted in my, in my gut, in my heart, in my mind, and it was relentless. <laughs> Just a side note, Tashkent and Seattle are sister cities, and I'll get into the history of the Ilkhom another time, but there was a beautiful connection uh, the creator of the Ilkhom, Mark Weil, established with the University of Washington and their drama program and the exchange between students. Uh, and I did not know this before I went to the UW, and it was only a handful of students that went every few years, if any. So I just remember walking in the elusive Seattle sunshine after the play, just thinking these crazy thoughts, like, what if I went to Tashkent? And this wish just took hold of my entire being. I became this like hyper-focused creature. All I wanted to do was get to the Ilkholm Theater. And I set up everything to do so, everything with my professors, everything with, with my credits. I, I could get credits at the Ilkholm that could transfer back to the UW. Thank goodness. <laughs> like, and it, and it was um, a year and a half away. They were accepting a new studio every three years because they, they take an ensemble of students and work specifically with them for three years straight. It's so amazing. So come the end of my sophomore year, I, I was ready. I was ready to go to Tashkent. Just days before my departure, when everything was ready, my, my bags were packed, I had my Uzbek visa, vaccines, everything with the theater was arranged. They had arranged an apartment for me in the center of the city. Everything was ready to go. I received an email from the theater saying, the seventh studio might not open. There's not enough students. And I said, I didn't say anything. I just kind of collapsed onto the floor. I, I don't even remember what happened because I was, I just became some kind of a ghost. It was to channel so much of my wanted, my wish, and my excitement into something for so long and to just have it in one moment dissipate into nothing was this cataclysmic explosion in me. Uh, but don't worry. <laughs> Days later, I received an email from Tyler saying, the seventh studio will open. They're just a few days late. You know, come, we're waiting for you. Let's go, let's do this. And I was... Well, first of all, I was elated and relieved and excited once more, but I had already canceled my plane ticket. <laughs> 
like everything, like Turkish Airlines gave me a full refund. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> but, oh, so I, I, I made a slow crawl. I made a slow crawl over to Tashkent a few weeks late. And, but I arrived. I arrived after, I mean, coming from Seattle, going to Tashkent is, is three different planes. It's like over a 30-hour journey, and it's it's intense. It's not just a journey in an actual physical way, but it's like a, a spiritual journey across because you're you're entering different, a completely different world. And oh, I will never forget my arrival in that city. They have you arrive like early in the morning. At least that's what it was at the time. So I arrived at like 4 a.m. Uh, and just totally sleepless, totally confused. Uh, Tyler was there to meet me at the airport, as well as uh, the manager of the school and one of the actresses of the theater, Aliona Igorovna, and they ushered me to my apartment building, which was like I, I had been. Thankfully, I had I had the the privilege of traveling. I had been to Mexico. I had been to Europe. I'd obviously been to Canada. I'd never ever ever been to. Eastern Europe or or any anything far east and it was it was a it was a big shock and I think that shock just reverberated reverberated hello reverberated through through many many months like it wasn't just a moment of shock it was like eight months of shock that kind of unraveled by the day <laughs> um but they got me situated in an apartment building in like a communal block building. I had my own apartment, but it's like an old Soviet block building. And I definitely thought a gust of wind would blow it over. And I was very <laughs> nervous about that. But I got to the theater. The moment I got to the theater, I just, ugh, I just, I knew that the wish that was in me for so long was was not only true but i'd found the place to let it loose i remember even in the first few weeks of being at the theater of finally being able to breathe freely for the first time in my life and i didn't even know i had constricted breathing i just knew that when i was there despite the adversity despite the just the hardship and the obstacles because i was combating not only like this whole new immersion in a Russian theater conservatory. I was also living in Tashkent on my own as a young woman without language, without, like I, I my Russian was so limited. I didn't speak any Uzbek. Um, so it was juggling just a lot of things at once. But I remember being on the floor of the school, which is one tiny room. It's the most beautiful room in the world. <laughs> It's a little room in a beautiful basement, smoke-tinged, crumbling a little bit, but just the most magical space. I just remember breathing freely for the first time in my life in these exercises, and I just knew this was my place. No matter how challenging it was, no matter how lonely I was, my gosh, that was a whole new arena of loneliness for me. I just knew it was my place. And... That to me was worth all of it because there were many times I wanted to hurdle myself back home, <laughs> but it was those feelings I got in the classroom that, that kept me planted there. So 
I'll move into just a bit. Like I was there for three years. I initially planned to go for one year, but I was so hooked on the program. I wanted to finish it. I mean, there was also another something, something that kept me there. <laughs> but um, I won't go into every detail of every year because that's like novel worthy. Um, but I just kind of want to set it up for you just, just to show the difference of the system. So the Ilkholm Theatre is, is so revolutionary because the creator, Mark Weil, founded, founded this, what was at first like a simple theatrical ensemble. He founded it in 1976. It was the first independent theater in the Soviet Union. The first independent theater. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And he transformed the Ilkhom theater, which, side note, Ilkhom in Uzbek is the word of inspiration. And so it is on the concept of inspired acting that the theater and its school is founded. So it's pretty pretty fascinating. Uh, but he, he, he developed what was at first a, a simple theatrical ensemble and transformed the Ilkhom into one of the most culturally and historically distinguished theaters in the world. After the collapse of the Soviet Union, Mark Weil and, and his Ilkhom traveled the globe. They performed at international festivals in over 34 countries. Mark staged productions of his own in Moscow and Seattle. And it was during this time that he established the connection with the UW. So I knew the history and I knew that that even in the presence of tragedy, even with the Ilkhom Theater losing their leader, I knew that this was a space that made the heads of the world turn, of the theatrical world. So the Ilkhom exists in, in a repertory style. There's a collection of plays that they have on constant rotation. So when I was there, it was between like 13 and 17 different shows, or it was 12 and 16. It was a lot. And every night from Tuesday to Sunday, right? Monday's the dark day in the theater. From Tuesday to Sunday, there would be a different play. It boggled my mind. Every day, the stage would switch. Some of the actors would be the same. Some of the actors would be different. And it would switch. So it was this con it was constantly in motion. And over time, Mark established the Ilkholm Theater School of Drama. And the fascinating thing about this drama school is that it feeds directly into the repertory. So there's a different level of necessity the Ilkhom has with its students because it's literally there for the survival of the theater, which is so freaking cool. I have never been in such a dynamic and intense relationship with a professor or professors rather in my life. The amount of respect and love and focus these teachers channel into their students is unparalleled. Um, so the theater, the school, the conservatory where, where I was, uh, in studio seven, see number seven popping up again, special seven. <laughs> we were the first studio after the passing of Mark Weil. 
I I say passing, but Mark Vile was actually was actually killed on in 2007, the night before the premiere of his new theatrical season. Um, but his company, the Ilcom, his company of inspired acting, took the stage to perform his version of Oresteia. And despite the tragedy, they they carried on. They 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 brought the show. They brought his show to life. And it was after this this tragedy that the theater became renamed the Ilkholm Theater of Mark Weil. So we were the first studio without Mark. However, we were, I mean, his presence there was palpable. It was tangible. You felt it in everything, every technique, every corridor you walked down, every room you went into, every show you saw, Mark was there. You felt him. And it was, it was amazing to be in that space. Just the respect. It was just amazing. So the, the school functions as a standard Russian conservatory. So we were in school six days a week, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And then we'd be rehearsing at nighttime. So, and also we would be also watching the shows. We'd be watching the shows of, of the theater every night. It was so amazing. It was like, it's the best theater on earth. And I was just sitting there, you know, after a long day of school, but you're just totally captivated by it. And the fascinating thing was our teachers spent the whole day with us, teaching us these methods and techniques and working with us. And then we saw it in action. We saw everything they spoke about taken to the stage, put into action. I have never, I mean, it was mind blowing to me, absolutely mind blowing. So the school, the school is a wonderful melting pot of, of Russian technique, right? We have Stanislavski, we have Michael Chekhov, we have Meyerhold, we have Vakhtangov, we have, uh, we make an extension out to Grotowski. So a lot of like uh, physical work, plastical work. I'll get into this again <laughs> later on. And of course, another massive influence is is Mark Weil himself. So it almost felt like theatrical royalty. Like I literally felt like I was sitting in Stanislavski's classroom. It was pretty nuts. It was crazy. Like I was sitting on the black stools and teachers were yelling at me in Russian to straighten my spine. And just it was wild. And I had a translator for the majority of classes, usually not the movement classes, but I had a translator. Uh, but over time, my Russian grew, my Russian developed, and I was still deeply grateful for him. Tyler, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because, you know, I had to also respond to things like it was translation for, also for the benefit of the whole so we could understand each other in in every way but yes i definitely my russian definitely grew <laughs> which was wonderful right like it was such a different experience living in the language versus studying the language because i felt like i started to learn it by osmosis like thoughts would come to me or words would come to me or phrases would come to me without ever having before spoken them. And I said, oh, this can only be from living in the culture and the language and those direct modes of expression. So the school, the school had amazing levels of study. So the main class and everything fed into this class, like every semester, every theme of every semester 
wove into the main theme of mastery of acting. So that was our main thing. But we also had plasticas, which is sense of movement and rhythm. And it's a physical, physical movement. We had elocution, so speech for the stage. We had dance, like classical ballet, and then all these other, all these other um, types of dance as well. We had fencing and acrobatics. We had Lecoq method, and we had theater history and foreign language as well. Because it's an international school, the, the, the Russian students learned English, and I was in a Russian class. So that was also really wonderful. And I ended up spending three years there. I completed the program and it was only in the second year when we began character work. The beginning of the second year was when we got to characters and it was the end of the second year that we got to a dramatic script. <laughs> I will go into this at another time, but it was freaking crazy amazing. And then the third year is reserved for into full integration, like diploma performances. So performing on the Ilkholm stage. So another reason I not only wanted to, but was able to be there for three years was my relationship, my growing relationship with my classmate, Akmal. And when we first met, we could not communicate at all, like zero. <laughs> gestures, gazes, energy, that was it, uh, because he did not speak any English, I did not speak any Russian or Uzbek, and, but there was a spark, and the spark first started in the school, and then it carried into life, and then we re-explored it in the school, and it expanded into life, and it was, it was an amazing thing, it was, obviously it changed my life, and for those of you who do know me, <laughs> Akmal is here, <laughs> but it was a journey. Eh? It was a journey. So at the end of the three years, I wanted to stay in Tashkent. I was given different roles in the repertory. I was performing. I was offered to perform with like the best actors and actresses I'd ever seen in my life. And I was so convinced I wanted to stay. I just I couldn't even fathom going back to live at home. I came home during the summer months, like two months when the theater was closed. And that was another process in itself, like readjusting back to life here. Like I also got like reverse food poisoning. Like I would get food poisoning going there and then I come home and get <laughs> reverse food poisoning because you're adjusting to all these microbiomes and the time and different cuisines. And it was crazy. But at the precipice of the third year, the end of that, I, I just did not want to come home, but I had made a promise to my dad that I would finish my degree at the University of Washington. And leaving the Ilkholm, leaving Akmal was the hardest thing I've ever done. I thought the hardest thing I'd ever done was going there, but it was in fact coming back. And I don't like to talk about it because I still get very emotional around it. <laughs> I guess I'm still processing it, but it was a really... Yeah, I think it was the most challenging moment of my life. So I came back to Seattle. I finished my degree. I was a complete mess. Um, I just didn't understand what I was doing in life. <laughs> uh, thankfully, the drama department at UW was deeply supportive of me in every way. And I ended up cultivating a thesis show that I named The Point in the Universe that I performed for 
the school, my family, my friends. And that was a really, really special thing. I worked with this incredible teacher and director, Andrew Sow, and he helped me cultivate this piece as well as Tyler. Tyler was there back in Seattle at the time. And that kind of was keeping me floating, keeping me alive. And I finished my degree. Thank goodness I received my degree. And then began the process of, of figuring out how, how to get Akmal and I together because he was not given a tourist visa from the U.S. Embassy. Twice he was ignored, uh, even with an invitation from my parents and all that stuff. He, he was not allowed to come, uh, and we hit our limit in regards to living apart from one another. So we began the visa process of bringing him, him here, and I moved to New York, and I was ready to turn the page. I was ready to step into this new part of me that was like, okay, I can do it. I can be an actor in the States. Even if I've never fully felt myself normal here, I can freaking do it. I can do it. And I'd always wanted to live in New York. I think so many of us do. It's such a beautiful melting pot of cultures and opportunities. But I also knew that I wanted to continue to create work with people around the world. I wanted to be part of this international community. So New York was high on my list and I was super excited moving here. I was engaging with, with film projects and theater projects and my show that I developed at the UW actually got into the United Solar Theater Festival on 42nd Street and I got to perform it there and that was absolutely phenomenal. It was a complete gift and a complete surprise. Like I remember submitting to the New York Fringe Festival and the United Solo Festival thinking, oh, maybe I'll get into the Fringe Festival, but not the United Solo, <laughs> but it was the opposite. So side note, always just do it, do it, do it, do it. Submit, submit, submit. <laughs> uh, and so that was a very special thing. And then a few days later, Akmal arrived after a year of doing the visa process. Akmal arrived and with trips back to Tashkent to, to visit, my gosh. Again, just a really intense, traumatic time. Um, but he arrived and we got married and we began to build this new life together. And it took some time to rebuild ourselves as humans, to rebuild ourselves as artists, to rebuild ourselves as a couple especially because, again, we're so culturally different. We're so different, and but we have this very, very potent thread between us where, you know, we can, we can speak without speaking. We can feel one another from a gaze. We can, I mean, you know how it is in relationships, but this was another level because we had learned each other inside out within the theater school at the time when we were peeling back all the layers of ourselves to get to that raw, supple seed of truth, we learned one another from the inside out. And that's what threads us together. We, we're, we're tied together in this cosmic way. I don't even know how else to describe it. But it took years to, to adjust to life here for both of us. and. 
that's what I've been doing now. It, just exploring and expanding and working with amazing international artists, working on amazing theatrical productions, moving more into film, which is a new fun arena for me. And I'm so excited to learn about it. I mean, my last project official, I guess, before quarantine was this bilingual Russian American film. Like never in my life did I think I would be performing in New York in Russian. Like I just never would have thought that, but it was literally following the path of my impulse and my wish, wish after wish, wish after wish that got me there. And I'm so thankful for it. And I just want to offer this again. Thank you for, this is longer than I thought. <laughs> thank you for sticking with me. I just wanted to offer my journey to you to give us space to like air them out, air them out on the clothesline for us to, to come together with our own unique pathways, with our own unique narratives, with our own unique stories to tell, with our own unique experiences, with our own unique voices, because they all, they're all so important. They're all so, so important. And I think too, it's another moment to meditate on the process. I think the business of acting can be so results oriented. And I think so many things in the West are results oriented. Whereas the actor's process is process oriented. It's taking joy in the things we do every day to grow. It's taking joy in peeling the layers. It's taking joy in learning something new. It's taking joy in connecting with new people. So, and that's the vision I have for this space is a beautiful, collaborative, rich space of many stories and many voices and many cultures and a generative laboratory for us to connect and share and uplift each other and grow. So thank you so much for your time. I will leave you with a little, with a little kernel of, of some articulation, of some diction. Let's do... Let's do J today because we have the journey, our journeys, a day to appreciate our journeys. And we have the English vowels, A, E, I, O, U. And I didn't say this last time, but I pronounced the U as U because I still haven't figured out how to do, do the U, U sound. So I do A, E, I, O, U as in U. So, Vinimania, attention, Nachali. Begin. J, G, Jai, Jo, Ju. Second coupling. J, J, G, G, Jai, Jai, Jo, Jo, Ju, Ju. And let's add a third. J, 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 G, 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 Jai, 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 Jo, 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 Ju, Ju, Ju. <laughs> Thank you again so much for joining me today. Please let me know uh, what this conjured in you, if anything inspired you, if anything uh, gave you the impulse to reflect on your own journey, or perhaps we're connected in so many more ways than we think. So please reach out and let me know. I'd love to hear. I'd love to engage. I'm so excited to build this space. Thank you for your time and your energy, and I'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. Mwah.
Thank you so much for joining me and pressing play on yourself today. If this episode resonated with you, be sure to share it with a friend or leave a review on iTunes. We are building the ensemble, so the more people who see it, the more rich and diverse our collective will be. If you're looking for extra inspiration, come find me on Instagram, at Serabanda. I am so eager to connect, and I'll be ready with a new task for us to explore next week. In the meantime, enjoy the process. Just remember to lead with your wish.